Friends, let me start with a confession, one that's not much of a surprise, but I am a millennial. And to be honest, I am more than tired of how my generation is often described, portrayed, and discussed. So today, you are all honorary millennials with me. Why? Because I, won't, I don't want to be alone in receiving all this criticism and bashing. But honestly, I believe there's a reason why we're criticized as a generation. I believe it's because we're used as tools of disruption. We are known for breaking up the usual course, breaking up traditions for the sake of tradition, and breaking up the, we've always done it this way. And while many, while many may see these things as negative, I believe God is calling us in whatever we may do to begin to embrace being a disruptor. It may surprise some of you that the Bible is filled with stories of disruption and disruptors, particularly with the disruptor extraordinaire known as Jesus. I love how Jesus is the master of disrupting things that already are and how things may be and how things have been. Yes, Jesus, both low-key and high-key, disrupted so many things of his time. In the text, Jesus and the disciples are gathered for the, a meal, but there will be a disruption. They're not gathered for any old or any regular type of meal. No, they're gathered to commemorate one of the single most important Jewish holy days, known as the Passover. The Christians among us today may recognize this text to be the institution of what we call the Lord's Supper or Holy Communion, but for the Jewish disciples in the text, it was a commemoration of their past, their history, and their rich tradition. This meal for the disciples was not just a gathering and eating like regular every single day. No, this was an event that had a central purpose. Central to this event was the leader of the Passover sharing the story. As Rabbi Daniel Ruttenberg explains, it's more than the story of the Exodus and God leading the Israelites out of bondage, but an expansive understanding of God and the holy text that help us see who we are and the nature of our obligations to the oppressed. This meal was considered sacred, something of deep value to them. So what was it exactly that made this meal, this event, this commemoration so valuable and honored? Again, it's because it was their history, their legacy, and each and every part of the meal represented such. While Jesus and the disciples' meal was likely was not a Seder as we know it today, it still held deep meaning. In the present, satyrs still hold that deep and rich meaning. Every single food item present and eaten is symbolic from the wine to the egg to the bitter herbs to the lamb and even the plate that is used. They're all symbolic and tied to tradition and history. But today, I'll probably bring our focus in just a little bit to one item in particular on the plate, and that is the bread. No, not just any old bread, friends, but unleavened bread or matzah. 
Bread that has not yet risen, that was traditionally tied to the hasty exit by the Israelites out of Egypt. What beautiful imagery the Jewish adherents have today. The deep ties stretching back to even this Passover meal shared by Jesus and the disciples. Do you see it? Do you see the value and meaning within this deeply held commemoration? Do you understand the feelings of pride and hope that swelled in their hearts? All for their focus on memories, history, the past, their story. But then in verse 22, as they were eating the sacred meal, Jesus took the traditional bread, blessed it, and passed it out and said, take, eat, this is my body. Wait a minute, his body? Can you imagine the shock on the disciples' faces? I imagine that their thoughts, they didn't dare say out loud, but the thoughts they had at this moment were, what, what do you mean your body? This was about our history and our tradition and our sacredness. We have the way we've always done this. Jesus, you're a Jew too. You of all people should be grateful for our history and honor this moment. How dare you make it about your body? Jesus had disrupted Passover. Listen, when Jesus disrupted Passover, he was not saying, I'm taking a moment to discard history or taking a moment to ignore tradition. He was not saying that the past did not matter. Instead, he was saying, I know you're focused on this beautiful symbol, this specific past event, this traditional meal that holds so much meaning, but I also need you to focus on the present and the future. Yes, the bread symbolized the past, but it also symbolize the living bread among you in the present and the bread of life that is to be killed in the near future. Millennials and honorary millennials, hear me when I say this. Like Jesus, we are a generation of disruptors. Who will help in this world, this nation, and this church who will become the tools of disruption. Again, I believe we already are the tools of disruption, the ones who will shift the focus not only on the past, but shift it to also include the present and the future. A present for today that is riddled with COVID-19 cases still on the rise in a deadly variant, a future where we'll be the largest living generation for our time, and this disruption will impact your own present and set up the future for others. Jesus, the master of disruption. Jesus disrupting Passover as an example for us for all the times and examples of when we need to disrupt as well. So what, what exactly did Jesus interrupt with this Passover? Sure, he said something different than the traditional blessing over the bread, but is it such a big deal? It was. Jesus disrupted and interrupted the Passover tradition by stating that the bread was his body. What kind of bread? That matzah bread I mentioned before. Let's think about that for a second. 
matzah bread or unleavened bread, as we might say. Bread that is not cut neatly, but bread that is broken. Unleavened bread that doesn't have neat slices, but has jagged edges and pieces. Unleavened bread that's not uniform, but multicolored on many different sides. Lumpy, dusty, ridged, bumpy. But when Jesus prayed over it, it was indeed blessed. Jesus was saying this about his own body, that sacrificing his body meant that it would be broken for you and me. That sacrificing his body means that it won't be neat and perfect. In fact, all these pieces turn out to be different. But Jesus said he's still offering his body and himself to all freely. That Jesus' body was not picture pretty or only one way to be, but it was always to be blessed. And with this broken and jagged and discolored and lumpy and dusty but blessed body, this imperfect body was still perfect for disruption and helping other bodies. Which bodies? For your body and for your uh, any body, for somebody, for everybody, for all bodies, just as Jesus blessed and broke the five loaves with the two fish that more could be fed, Jesus's disruption is always about using the imperfect to include more people. Friends, you too are imperfect bodies, broken, multicolored, lumpy, maybe a little dusty, bumpy in some places that used to be smooth, but I declare to you today, you are still blessed. Your imperfect body is enough to disrupt and make a difference and make a change. You with the broken heart, you with the broken body of health issues, you with the broken dreams, you who are just broke, your imperfect body is still perfect for disruption. You are still enough for disruption. You are still enough to enact change. How so? Well, with that very much imperfect body. What better way to disrupt a culture obsessed with shame and purity, particularly for women, than by bringing up the one thing that is always vacillating between clean and unclean, the body. Our bodies are still one of the biggest disruptions today. What we do with our bodies, what we put on or take off our bodies, if we decorate our bodies, if we stand or sit with our bodies, if we decide our bodies need to match our internal identities, there is power in our bodies, power to disrupt the powers that be. I'm reminded a few years back of the body being used as a powerful tool of disruption. In the spring of 2017, students at the historically black college, Bethune-Cookman in Florida, used their imperfect selves and their imperfect bodies to disrupt a speech from former Secretary of Education, Betsy DeVos.
I saw the students interrupt her with booing and interrupt her with standing and interrupting by talking over her. It was a powerful disruption. In the midst of all the pomp and circumstance, the symbols of tradition at this graduation, these bodies, these graduating tools of disruption disrupted the tradition and history of the commencement ceremony. Students and others recognized that greater than these symbols and the traditions from graduations past was the focus on the unqualified speaker in their present and the focus on uncertainty of their school's future under her administration. Earlier, they had called the administrators and wrote emails, and the speaker was still invited. Their voices were ignored, but then on the day of their graduation, in the midst of the tradition, it was their bodies that had the power of disruption. Many of you may think, of another example of disruption, just a year ago, the number of protests here in Charlotte and across the nation, and yes, even in other places across the globe, we saw disruptors, groups of imperfect people perfectly disrupting this nation's past, history, and traditions of white supremacy. While news and other outlets tried to emphasize the imperfections of these people gathered to protest, it was their very imperfections and bodies that made the disruption so perfect. Yes, even in our churches and religious spaces, we get caught up in the imperfect people having the audacity to interrupt our tradition and our history and our past that we forget that that's what Jesus would have done. Like Jesus at this Passover meal, we need disruptors to call out when we've made our history an idol. We need disruptors to interrupt when we've let tradition lead us instead of Christ. We need disruptors to shake some sense into us when we romanticize the past to the detriment of our present and our future. Hear me clearly. From the graduation disruption to protests and disruptions against police brutality and white supremacy to disruptions right here in our own space, there will be people who disagree. And for every person who will have a fit about the disruption, I'm here to remind you they will be all right. For every person who have a fit about what will disrupt, they will be all right. How do I know? Because Jesus disrupted Passover centuries ago, and yet it is still celebrated, as it should be. But will you, my official and honorary millennials today, allow yourselves to embrace being tools of disruption? Will you dare to disrupt history, tradition, and how it's always been done? Will you dare disrupt corporate America by starting that nonprofit you've dreamed about? Will you dare disrupt notions of tradition by marrying whomever you want, marrying later in life, marrying again, or not marrying at all? Will you disrupt the idea of settling by leaving the abusive and unethical workplaces that people of past had to just settle and deal with? Will you disrupt the history of waiting for laws to maybe change and instead protest in the streets? Will you disrupt the idea that all law enforcement protects and serves by using a cell phone to record what really happens in the instances with minorities and the underprivileged? Will you disrupt the 
idea that only certain people deserve to, the right to healthy food and clean water and affordable and safe housing. You, yes, you this morning, with all your imperfections in your body, are the perfect tool for disruption, and we need you. As co-founder of the Black Lives Matter organization, Alicia Garza said, every successful social movement in this country's history has used disruption as a strategy to fight for social change. Whether it was the Boston Tea Party, to the sit-ins at lunch counters throughout the South, no change has been won without disruptive action. I can't speak for other communities today, so I'll speak to my own for a second. Just like Jesus disrupted what was sacred to the Jewish disciples' heritage, some of us, including myself, have to work to disrupt what is deemed sacred even in our African-American heritage. I hope we continue to disrupt the history of black respectability politics. I hope we continue to disrupt the idea that being a first-generation college student makes you better or more woke than the rest of your family. I hope we continue to disrupt the symbol of the black church as the only good part of the black community. Now, you look at your community and ask yourself, what traditions, what history, what past needs to be disrupted within your own communities? Ask yourself, will you be like Jesus and disrupt, not to disregard, but disrupt to set a new path forward? Be advised, we've all been guilty of getting caught up in the past, in symbols and traditions and in history, and sometimes antagonistic toward change and growth that disruption brings. For Christians, we've taken communion for granted some Sundays, eating and drinking, remembering only what Christ did 2,000 years ago, thankful for the sacrifice of his body then, but not thankful for the present and the future it can represent. I've seen how churches idolize how we used to do church, yet remain ignorant to how those old ways have driven away millennials and even others. It's been our bodies on Sunday mornings in absentia, our bodies missing from congregations that has begun to disrupt them, to recognize where they have failed and fallen short. Yes, it has been our bodies, whether present or absent, that have brought attention to the old ways of doing Doing things that have become an obstacle for someone else on their faith journey. So here's my close. First, to those disgruntled with disruption, change, growth, and progress, or even evolution, my message to you is this. Re-examine what it is about disruption that gets you disturbed. What is it about change that gets you so cheeky? What is it about all-inclusiveness that gets you indignant? And think for a moment, how would you have reacted to Jesus's Passover disruption? Lastly, my message to my generation of disruptors today, millennials and honorary millennials,
My message is this, embrace being a disruptor. You are disruptors. Your body and all its imperfections is the perfect tool for disruption as is. No, you're not too young. No, you're not too old. No, you're not too weak. No, you're not uh, uh, too ignorant. Whatever it may be in your imperfections, you are still the perfect tool for disruption. And so I leave you with this, disrupt with a purpose. Never break up when you don't plan to put back together. Never tear down where you don't plan to rebuild. Just as Jesus disrupted the traditional Passover meal, he instituted what Christians use as an inclusive communion. There was a purpose in this bodily disruption, a purpose that was reignited when Jesus's body was broken, beaten, and abused, hung on a cross, and killed by the government. Jesus's young brown immigrant body was justifiably executed by the state, but it was for a purpose. I believe you're already disruptors, but do you know why do you choose to disrupt? Do you have a purpose in mind? Why are you choosing to be a disruption? And in all your disrupting, what will you use as an instead? What are you choosing to replace, to rebuild, to start over, and to renew? You, the imperfect tool for perfect disruption. Amen. <laughs>